Baseball's great charm is that the action comes in spurts, which leaves plenty of time to spin yarns, look at the girls, and make wisecracks. Chaos, C-H-A-O-S, critical hate and overwhelming stupidity. Hey everybody, what's going on? What's happening? Welcome to Full Count Chaos, another episode where we talk about the Baltimore Orioles. My favorite team, your favorite team, and I'm enjoying what I've been seeing lately. All right, the Orioles just had a winning record month of June. First one in five years. (laughs) That's crazy. But when you think about the teams that the Orioles have been putting out in the past few years, you go, no, okay, it's not that crazy. But right now they're on pace for 74 and 88. I don't think that's going to be a record that'll get them in the playoffs unless they continue to play. I mean, look, the other day they were only like five games away from the wild card. So it's not crazy at all to think the Orioles could make a run. I mean, they're just playing some good baseball right now. They're in a little bit of a funk, had like three or four losses in a row, but they'll get out of it. And they're causing some fans in the media around the league to chat about them. And that's not conversations about, boy, do they suck? And they move on to another topic. Oh, uh, this rebuild might be working. Now, fans calling for Elias's head last year, last few years, you see him starting to lighten up a little bit, <laughs> saying things like, oh, you know, I've always thought Elias was the right move. And, just didn't agree with a couple of his moves. You know, ain't no thing. You're sitting there like, you're full of shit. Had the same conversation with a friend of mine. He was shitting on Elias, shitting on Hyde for years. And now he's like, what are you talking about? I love Hyde and the boys. I love Elias. It's like, oh, yeah, I whipped out my phone. Let me read the text that you sent me. Elias can suck it hard and leave Baltimore now and never come the fuck back. He's going to bury this team quick. He's a bitch just like Brandon Hyde. My buddy's like, oh, come on. I was drinking. I was drunk. I was mad. <laughs> No, everybody's kind of now going, well, I was just kidding. That was my buddy sitting there like in a Brandon Hyde jersey. Who wears a jersey of the manager? I don't know. A lot of Elias haters backtracking right now. Hey, you misunderstood me. I love the guy. Like, it'd be fun watching the Orioles hit the wild card or even compete for the wild card. You know, the last couple weeks of the season, even if they don't make it in October baseball, at least they're just competing. That would be fun. Am I drinking a little too much of the orange Kool-Aid? Maybe, but just Saying the words playoff and Orioles in the same sentence gets me all giddy. Gives me the goosebumps. Things are starting to turn around for this team, and we see it. And it hurts more when we see games like Jorge Lopez blowing back-to-back saves in Minnesota when they should have won that game. Both those games. And, of course, everyone blames Kevin Brown because sports fans were superstitious. That's what we do. Kevin Brown mentions about how Jorge Lopez has given up a home run all season. Boom! Home run. Twins win. Boy. That escalated quickly. Then the next night, same thing. Gives up a home run in the ninth inning. Everyone's like, thanks, Kevin. (laughs) But these losses sting more than they did in the past few years. They're competitive. We're thinking, man, these wins might actually mean something at the end of September. So when they blow games like this, which hurt anyway, but when now when you're 10 times more invested, they're more competitive. They might actually be playing for a wild card spot, which is unbelievable. We just forget those old feelings of when the Orioles were you know, playoff bound and these blown saves. They j- oh, again, the past few years. Yeah, they stung. They just didn't have that sting that we remember. God help us all. That was brutal. Whatever Jorge Lopez, whatever kind of yips he's going through. Hope he figures it out. Obviously, I'm sure he will. But everybody's talking about the Orioles. Hell, I was at the movies a couple weeks ago. I was wearing an Orioles shirt. That's all it took. You know, it's like a fraternity. You see somebody else wearing an Orioles shirt, even a hat. You might chat some Orioles. I'm uh, standing there in line. I'm waiting to fill up the the soda. It's uh, self-serve. 
movie theater, which I kind of like. You know, they just give you the empty cup. And they say, have a nice day. But this guy <laughs> to the right of me, he was all decked out. A little, old, I think maybe late, like late 50s. But he's standing there all decked out. You know, Orioles jersey. Had a hat on. Even was wearing the um, Orioles chain, home run chain. Looked like he just came from Camden Yards. He looks at me. He's like, how about these Orioles? I was like, how about them? I think I may have smelled a little alcohol on them. But the theater was a little crowded. Kids, family. He's like, man, these guys are giving me a baseball boner. <laughs> it's one of those situations where you're like, all right, we're done. I don't want to be included with you. And he says it again, you know, in his Baltimore accent. These guys are giving me a baseball boner. Everybody's looking over. I'm like, I don't know this guy. Trust me, he's not with me. I walk away. Have fun with your baseball boner. But everyone's getting excited. Kind of reminded me of the uh, 2012 season. You know, you just feeling in the air. 2011 going into 2012. And by May, June, July, you know, everyone's just, we're all just talking Orioles. You walk by someone wearing an Orioles shirt, same as you. High five as you walk them by. Hell yeah. Because it was forever before the Orioles were doing well again. And it's that kind of feeling. Hell, I remember last time I went to the beach. I think I talked about it on here. I had shit from my car to the restaurant to walk in to pick up the food. I had people telling me, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, man, how about those Orioles? Oh, you're an Orioles fan. Oh, sucks to be you. It's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, it's a year or two ago. Now I got people, you know, giving me thumbs up or not saying anything unless they're also wearing Orioles gear. And then we give each other a thumbs up. But it's it's fun. We know there's excitement in the air. We feel it. We see it. And we know it's going to happen. And this is working. It's painful in this rebuild. But by God, it's working. We're enjoying it. But I headed down the beach. By the way, I hate day trips. Hate them. Need a place to shower and shit after being on the beach. Now, my wife, she likes the day trips down the beach. So, of course, when you're in a marriage, you can't just think about yourself. Hey, I don't like it, so we're not going to do it. If she likes it, let's do it. You know, it's part of being in a marriage. You got to compromise. But anyway, we drive down there. I just hate it because after you get off the beach, I need to walk back into a hotel room, shower, shit, eat, change. I'm good. I just can't get back in the car and drive around and say, oh, that was fun when sand is stuck up in places I didn't know existed. So I've explained this on the podcast before. I have three fears. One, drowning. Two, I'm very claustrophobic. And three, having to take a dump. Stuck in traffic on the bridge. It's a huge fear of mine. And that's exactly what happened. And that's a scary moment. And I knew it was happening because I feel that little sweat on the brow right before we're getting to the bridge. And I think it's starting to be an anxiety issue. It's almost like if I don't eat for two days, <laughs> nothing's in my stomach. And I'm approaching that Bay Bridge. Boom. All of a sudden, my stomach, I start sweating. I get nervous. And it's not about crossing the bridge. The bridge doesn't bother me. I could be in the right lane, left lane. It doesn't matter. It's not about going over the bridge. It's about if there's traffic and I have to take a dump. I get it. It's very childish. I know. I'm not telling you this because I want you to think I'm a better person. I'm just sharing. <laughs> you know, you guys are like my therapy as well. So we get on the bridge. Traffic stops. It's hot. You know, I feel like, God dang, is, it, is the AC working? My wife's freezing. Like, God damn. What's, what's with the, uh, the, the AC? What would it stop working? I feel the sweat on my brow. I knew exactly what was happening, and I knew it was bad, and then my stomach starts hurting. There we go. Start pleading to God. When you start pleading to God that you don't take a dump in your pants, that's when you know shit's bad, all right? Say, <laughs> God, look, I'll be a better person. Oh, I won't smoke. I won't drink. You know, just please <laughs> let me get through this. You know the situation is not going well. 
when I'm using my, my prayers to the Lord Jesus not to make a stink in the pants. It's always, it always happens. That's why I always say if we go to the beach, I'm like, honey, let's, let's go like three in the morning. You know, four in the morning, no traffic. We'll get across that bridge, no problem. I don't know. You know, be listening to this and go, you know what, Nate, you need, you need therapy. Because <laughs> whatever it is you've got going on when you're crossing that bridge, you, you need to talk to someone about it. But that's why I'm talking about it with you guys. But I made it over. And then, of course, once we crossed the bridge, I was perfectly fine. Felt like the uh, AC started working again. I was actually hungry. I think we pulled over and got something to eat. But it was like I almost was about to give birth. I'm going, oh, it's bad. It's bad. And my wife's holding my arm. Hang in there, honey. I couldn't believe it. What a fucking mess. All right. uh, Back to the Orioles now. All right. And I apologize last week. I didn't upload an episode. Uh, Something came up. I'll talk about that later. But the Orioles, during that time, they were heading to Chicago to play the White Sox. And before the Orioles arrived, they were 33 and 34. The White Sox were. And at that time, they're probably thinking, hallelujah, we catch a break. We're going to be above 500 after the series. We'll be sitting pretty. We're going to try to catch the Twins. Because they were only like four games back as the, uh, the Orioles, or five games back, I think, right before they came in. And the White Sox won six out of the last eight games before the Orioles came to town. Now, I tweeted last week out about how teams and fans think of the Orioles still as some bitch boy team that couldn't be at a JV high school girls softball squad. But this team's not messing around right now. They're playing good ball. They took three out of four against Chicago. You know, sometimes this team will show up at your city, stomp your throat, take shit in your dugout, and leave quietly and just wave and smile as they head onto the plane and get the hell out of town. They'll be polite. They'll thank you for your time. (laughs) But you'll be laying there not knowing what the hell just hit you. And that's what I love about the Orioles. Because I know your average fan, Outside of the Orioles, not even a fan of the Orioles, they just know the team as being this sucky-ass, rebuild, no-talent-ass-clown team, and then they come into Chicago, boom, kick their teeth in, off they go. Because we all see fans' comments on social media, what they're, uh, uh, you know, thank God the Orioles are coming to town, thinking, all right, before we go into July, the White Sox are going to be above 500, and then we're going to catch the Twins. Boy, did we shit on their plans. And hopes, not their plan, just their hopes. And that's what I like about this team. They just don't roll over. Okay, we're the rebuild team. We stink. Nope. So they take three out of four against Chicago. It was a fun series to watch. A lot of offense, great pitching. What else do you want when you're watching the birds play? Now, on the other hand, do you feel that they're overachieving right now? I hear that conversation a little bit, you know, thinking that, hey, it's just they're overachieving. They'll come back down to reality. Of course, that was a series Austin Hayes hits for the cycle. Then you got Gunnar Henderson the same weekend hits for the cycle as well. God, I can't wait to see him play in an Orioles jersey. For God's sakes, call him up. Orioles baseball is looking damn sexy lately. Now, our buddy Matt uh, Kremnitzer tweeted out this week. He says, by the end of the season, the Orioles lineup could realistically include Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle, Adley Rushman, Kyle Stowers, Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg. And then he put in parentheses, who knows about Santander and Mancini. You know, looking at that lineup, that's pretty fun. That gets the blood flowing, you know? That gets the goosebumps. That gets the butterflies in the belly. Speaking of uh, Santander and Mancini, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to those two. The, the rumor is now the Mets are looking at Mancini. 
Of course, I'm sure there's no coincidence that Buck Showalter's over there managing the Mets. He knows all about Mancini, of course. And, uh, you know, Matt's tweet, it's kind of funny. Some people were triggered just bringing up who Matt wasn't even talking about. <laughs> they just wanted to voice their opinion on how Mateo should be getting more credit. And I laughed seeing those comments. I mean, he's been getting a lot of credit this season for sure. His, But his bat stinks. He's getting credit for his speed on the bases, for his defense. He has been getting credit. People have been talking about him. But his bat stinks. All right? He's batting 199 right now after 236 bats with a 582 OPS. He has a career bat of uh, uh, average 217. Look, it doesn't take a uh, baseball genius to know you're not going to succeed in this league if your bat does not help a team. His last 45 at-bats, he's batting 133 with a 289 slugging. Yes, he's exciting in the field. He's great when he gets on base because you know he's going to steal second, possibly third. So he hits a single, might be a triple in about two minutes. Now, we did learn in the White Sox series that you do not want to piss off Mateo. He had a hell of a series. He got drilled in the back with a 99-mile-per-hour fastball. Definitely on purpose. De- you know, did not look good. They were trying to, I guess, the White Sox trying to make it like, oh, we're tough, we're going to retaliate because, what was that, uh, Dean Kramer the night before hit Josh Harrison, and uh, he had to leave. I think he got him like in, a, in the, I think he got him in the hand. For fuck's sake, Dean Kramer was not out headhunting. That was just the the dumbest retaliation. (laughs) You know, you're going to retaliate. Okay, yeah, put Mateo on. If that was a retaliation, you hit the dumbest batter you could have on the Orioles, meaning that putting him on base, you're fucked. And that's exactly what happened. He not only steals second, but the the next to bat, (laughs) Richie gets a base hit, and Mateo's home before the outfielder even touches the ball. Oh, it's too good. Too good. And it was funny listening uh, to Palmer when Mateo gets on second. He's like, oh, that was great. He's like, all we need is a base hit from Richie. Now, of course, when Mateo got hit, benches cleared. And I've always said nine times out of ten. Now, again, you're going to get some good battles of benches clearing throughout the season. There's always a couple good fights. I know Seattle and Anaheim had a good fight. Some punches thrown. People jumping on other people's backs. But... Again, I'm going to go nine times out of ten when benches clear in baseball. Shit ain't happening. It's usually when I get up, get something to drink, something to eat, come back. Not smart move to throw at the fastest guy in baseball <laughs> to put on base. Fucking moron. So that was fun seeing the Orioles go three out of four against Chicago, which I did not see that coming. Especially knowing Chicago is playing good ball. Six out of eight wins. They're one under 500. They're battling for the division. They, you know, here come the Orioles, three out of four. Uh, then speaking of Seattle, it's, the Orioles arrive at Seattle the next day. And uh, look, these West Coast games, I do the same thing every damn time. Unless the Orioles are just completely shitting the bed, I normally stay up the whole game. And I di- I stayed up the whole game. Well, no, I once I knew the Orioles were up, I think they were up like nine to one by the seventh or eighth inning. That's still late. So I can't say I watched all nine innings. I turned off. The TV, I was like, all right, I'm proud of myself. I didn't watch the whole game. I'm going to bed at quarter two in the morning. <laughs> but I do it every time. I don't even tell people anymore. Oh, I'm not going to, you know, watch a couple innings. I just, you know, who am I fooling? 
used to tell my wife that. She's like, what time's the game? I'm like, oh, 10 o'clock. But I'm just going to watch an inning or two, go to bed. She just look at me like, all right, Mr. Full of Shit. And she's right. She's right. I'm, I am full of shit. So they head in Seattle. And, uh, man, <laughs> holy shit. When this team is hot, you might as well just throw in the towel. Say, all right, we, we quit. Even though it's a third inning. Because when these guys get going, for fuck's sake. That was, I mean, again, the first game, I know they didn't win this series, all right? It's like you don't even want to talk about it. Well, they, they lost two out of three in Seattle. Why even bring it up? But this is why I got to bring it up, man. What was it five home runs, two times back-to-back, Adley Rushman, Ryan Mountcastle in the third, Anthony Santander, and Austin Hayes very next inning. And, of course, Mateo getting a home run in there as well. But it must have been pretty badass for Adley putting on a show in uh, Portland. He was born and raised in Oregon. You know, his friends, his family they had a little section of the uh, Go Adley crew. <laughs> and like I said, Jorge Mateo hitting his uh, home run in the six. So everybody was just on board with putting on a show. But that's got to be cool when you go back to your hometown. And of course, your, your friends and family can see it on TV or whatever. But when it's it's a little different feel when they're there live, when you're, who knows, you're, you're, you're friends that you grew up with, they're all sitting there watching you play and there you go, hitting home runs, pointing to them as you're rounding third. It's just a great feeling. Tyler Wells pitched well that night. He, uh, what did he go? He went five innings, one hit, no walks, three Ks, perfect through uh, four and a two-third innings, which would have been an interesting situation to be in for Brandon Hybe. It's a situation most managers would love to be in. Your pitcher that you have out there is pitching a perfect game. But before the game, Hyde said he had him on a short leash. He had a certain amount of pitches. He didn't want him to pitch over. And Kevin Brown and Palmer were, were talking about, you know, what, what do we do? It What would Hyde do if he continues to go out and he's just having a perfect game? And fans, of course, were sitting there going, yeah, hell yeah, we want to be entertained. We want to see a no-hitter. Don't take him out. But when you're in Hyde's position... You know, the, the money you're invested, you don't want any arm problems during the year. He's, as of right now, one of your best starters. Do you want a chance at? So when High, not High, when Wells gave up that home run to end the uh, his perfect game, High was probably relieved that it kind of ended at that point because I'm sure High did not want to have to make that decision on, all right, the kid's throwing a perfect game Throwing a no-hitter, how often does it come around, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the uh, thoughts running through your head. So, again, I'm sure when that home run occurred, you know, nobody wants a home run hit against your team, but I'm sure in a way he was a little relieved. So, and, of course, as you know, next two games in Seattle, they shit the bed. They go over to Minnesota, shit in the bed there as well. Uh, every night, though, the Orioles, they seem like they're putting on a show, whether it's a defense, offense, back-to-back home runs a couple times a night, whatever it is, it's exciting. It's fun. Even when they lose, nobody likes to watch the Orioles lose, but they seem to somehow or another, there's some highlights happening in that game. Just hopefully they can pull out of the funk. All right, every week I, I like to try to get some happy thoughts involved in the podcast. You know what I mean? Even if there's some dark days, you I want to point out some some plays, some players, some games. Looking at the glass half full. So here's a couple happy thoughts during the week. Oh, yeah, it'll be very uplifting. Ha, ha, happy, 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 happy,
All right, just to remind you, this episode today is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. As you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social media. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram, type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sports drink without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out. All right. Of course, this season, the uh, bullpen, they're just playing their nuts off. They come in, do their job, head on out. They're top six in ERA. They're top seven in uh, least amount of walks. They're top four in least amount of home runs in the league. So they're doing it just fine. They're doing their job, what they need to do. Now, speaking of the bullpen, one of the guys I just want to mention, I've mentioned this guy plenty of times on the podcast. I'm a big fan. Right now, Felix Baltista is my favorite arm on the Orioles, hands down. He's just a beast when he comes out on the mound. Uh, of course, because he's uh, tearing shit up, everyone's calling for him to close out games, especially with Lopez having the yips right now, just can't seem to uh, close out games. But look, he's had a hell of a season. It's a couple games. It's going to happen. Unless you're Zach Britton, that kind of shit's going to come up. But uh, again, the closing roles, that's just a whole different beast in itself. But of course, everyone say, oh, Felix, he's the best arm in the bullpen. Get him to close. Uh, currently, Felix has a 142 ERA. Now, in 31 innings pitched, he's had 38 strikeouts and a 1.01 whip. His last 13 innings pitched, he has a zero ERA, 17 strikes, and a .75 whip. <laughs> Guy's tearing it up. Now, the only relievers that have more strikeouts than Felix this season is Jorge Lopez and Keegan Aiken. They both only have one more strikeout at 39. Again, of course, Bautista at 38 strikeouts. Now, Keegan Aiken has currently thrown 16 more innings than Felix, 11 more than Jorge. Jorge's thrown seven more innings than Felix. So with Felix only at 30 innings pitched, less than both these guys, he's showing he's the real deal so far. And Nathan Ruiz posted the other day. I thought this was a fun stat. He says, from when pitching tracking began in 2008 through 2021, the Orioles threw 28 pitches at 100 miles per hour or harder. Felix Bautista has thrown 56 of those in 2022, literally doubled. <laughs> so seeing a guy who's you know, almost 6'6", 190 pounds, throwing over 100 miles per hour, that's going to be fun to watch, and that's going to get the job done. So with him coming in, eighth inning, setup man, getting the table set for Jorge, the Orioles typically will win those games, obviously. Look, Minnesota, the first game when Jorge gave up the, the blown save, that was the first time the Orioles have lost when leading after the eighth inning. But it's sports, baseball. It's a long season. Shit like that's going to happen. So I feel very lucky as an Orioles fan that I get to watch Felix Bautista pitch. Moving on with the happy thoughts, glass half full. Cedric Mullins, I wanted to talk about him because uh, I feel like I've been a little hard on the guy lately. You know, shitting on his arm, talking about his prior season, struggling with offense, saying how I'm a little concerned he might have some struggles looking at his prior seasons, obviously prior to last year. Look, he's playing some damn good ball in the field with his bat. He's making huge catches out there in center field. He already has 16 stolen bases. He puts himself in scoring position almost every time he gets on base, knowing he's going to be stealing second. Again, just putting on a show in the outfield, making uh, just some hell of a catches. 
Hell of a catch. Hell of a catch. That didn't make sense. Let's move on from that quickly. Currently, he's batting 258, 30 RBIs, 16 stolen bases, like I just mentioned. His last seven games, 28 at bats. He's hitting 357, a 464 slugging, and three RBIs. Now, on Wednesday, I think it was the last game they played Chicago, Cedric made a catch that was just fucking ridiculous. And when Oriole, uh, Orioles on Masson Twitter posted that video, the highlight, of course, I, it seems like lately, every time I step away to get something to drink or, or do something real quick and come back, I'm missing these plays. I got to, it's like this team with how well they're playing, you know, offense, defense, the whole nine yards. If, if you get up for a couple of minutes, you're going to miss something. I mean, I, I did that the other day and I get a text from my mother-in-law going, oh my God, what a catch. I'm like, I didn't see it. It's like, what the hell? It's like, you can't look away for a second. But he made that catch in center field. I mean, <laughs> basically looked like you know, it looked like Superman, like he was taking off. That's where the guy was just levitating for about 10 feet, made the catch. And Orioles on Mass on Twitter uh, posted, Cedric Mullins is not from planet Earth. I thought that was perfect. <laughs> that was a perfect tweet describing the catch we just saw. You know, he just continues to do that year in, year out. It's just, God damn, I'm going to say it again. And I just apologize for a minute about shitting on his arm, but uh, it's that the arm. Ugh. Obviously I can look past that because the guy's just tearing shit up right now. Obviously if he wasn't doing well on the field or his bat, yeah, we could go on and on about get him out of here. His arm sucks. I mean, he also had a great month of June. I think everybody on the Orioles had a great month of June. He hit 308 throughout June. So obviously there's a lot of fans and players. <laughs> they all didn't want the month of June to leave the Orioles the first first winning month in five years. Oh my God. Can't get over that. But Cedric had another highlight like that in Seattle of, uh, I think one of the toughest catches. And I think outfielders have said this as well. When the ball's dropping in front of you and you're trying to dive towards the ball. And you know, of course, Cedric just takes care of business all over Twitter highlight MLB. I swear, MLB Twitter loves the Yankees, and when Aaron Judge hits a home run, I think that's I think whoever is in charge of that account is a Yankees fan, and they adore Aaron Judge because that's like all I see. And don't tell me every night that's the only highlight of baseball, Aaron Judge and the Yankees. But they've been putting a lot of Cedric Mullen highlights uh, in the field, which mad respect. It's not a uh, <laughs> Aaron Judge highlight that they're posting. They actually realize other players exist. So right now in the standings, and again, I don't think I'm drinking too much orange Kool-Aid to be talking about the wild card race. I mean, there's seven and a half games out. Okay, they haven't reached the all-star break yet, which is right around the corner. But if the playoffs started today, of course, the other four teams in the AL East would be in the playoffs, New York, number one, and then Toronto, Boston, Tampa, one, two, and three in the wild card. And for a second there, it looked like the Orioles were, were getting some momentum, starting to creep up. But fuck, I mean, <laughs> if the Orioles can continue to take care of business, have a solid second half of the season, start calling up some of those young studs, get them in the lineup of the Orioles, get the pitching figured out with the starters. Holy shit, man. The sky's the limit. So after the Orioles wrap it up in, in Minnesota, they head over to Texas. Texas right now has a losing record, 37 and 39. But of course, they're second. In the AL East, the Orioles 35 and 44, their last place. But you got a division like with the Rangers in there. You know, losing record, 37 and 39, 
even though they're 12 and a half games behind Houston. <laughs> Houston Astros at 15-27, and then Texas is in the second spot, 37-39. Seattle Angels and Oakland, right under them. Oakland, only 26 wins. Got Oakland with 26 wins, Kansas City with 28 wins, Detroit 30 wins. Yeah, look at the AL Central. The Chicago White Sox right now are 37 and 39, and they're only five games behind the Twins, third place in the division. The Guardians are only three games over uh, 500. They're three games out. But then, you know, there you go. They got the Orioles fighting against the uh, Yankees, Blue Jays, Reds. Whatever. You want You want to be uh, playing the big boy league? You got to play with the big boys. I just laugh and just think if the Orioles were in any other division, they'd be playing for, uh, they'd be competing for first place. <laughs> so fucking stupid. So Texas comes to Baltimore, four-game series. Angels comes to Baltimore after that four-game series. Let's get a couple sweeps in there. Get eight-game eight game winning streak. <laughs> Be one game under 500. And then play the Cubs. Take care of business with them. Right now, they're 32-46, and 46, but they're third in their division. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. So the Cubs are 32-46. and 46. They're 12 games out. The Brewers are just playing good ball. They're 45-35, and 35, but... Again, just all around the league, these teams, you know, 12 games under 500, two and a half games out of first place in their division. It's like, God damn, the Orioles can't make a mistake in their division. Forget it. So I hope everybody has a good 4th of July. want to hear from you guys. Fullcountchaos at gmail.com. What did you guys do during the 4th of July? Hit me up on Twitter at Fullcountchaos. Please be safe this weekend. Fireworks, alcohol, all the good shit. You know, it's America. Burn off some fireworks, drink. Fuck safety. That's what we're all about. Oh, boy. Well, go O's. Again, love to hear from you. Till next time. See you.